Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Welcome back and uh, delighted to have back with us today uh, Dr. Tim Murphy. He's a licensed uh, psychologist specializing in um, Resilience and Recovery from Psychological Trauma. He currently is the uh, Clinical Director of uh, Fortis Future, a center focusing on the care of veterans, military, and first responders with PTSD. Uh, he was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from Pennsylvania's 18th Congressional District. He did that eight times, served eight terms uh, there in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives. And he's the author of a book that I've many times refer pastors to get in their library called The Christ Cure, 10 Bible Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. And there's a picture of the cover of the book. I got to tell you, if you're in any level of ministry and you're dealing with people, this book has to be in your library, The Christ Cure. Check it out. Dr. Murphy, good to see you again, friend. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's great to be with you, too. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is, uh, this is amazing. I, I think that um, I want to come back to just kind of a little bit of a, a byline. Healing from trauma, tragedy, and PTSD. Uh, are those three separate areas, or they all end up being a PTSD moment? Well, that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, many of us, well, everybody faces tragedy sometime in their life. Trauma are those events where we, we really feel it's life-threatening to us. Uh, we may witness it in someone else, but it's going to have a major, major impact upon us. But PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is now when the effects linger. So, for example, about 70% of the population will will experience some life-threatening tragedy, life or limb tragedy in their life uh, event. But then when you develop the symptoms of depression, anxiety, flashbacks, um, uh, hypersensitivity to things, that and it becomes overwhelming for you to the point that you may even have suicidal thoughts, but certainly uh, relationships are broken, it's hard to sustain them. That's when the system really needs a lot of help when it's gone that far. And, and in my book, what I really refer to is that uh, just so many characters throughout the Bible went through incredibly traumatic events. Elijah, Job, Noah, but especially the Apostle Paul. But what's amazing is these are regular folks who uh, oftentimes caved into some of their trauma. Um, but why didn't they have the overwhelming symptoms of PTSD? And that's what I want us all to learn from that. So uh, are we misunderstanding trauma? Well, I think we are in some extent, especially in today's modern world where we think upon trauma as something that every little thing is traumatic for us. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone calls you by the wrong pronoun. It's traumatic. Uh, you had a bad day. It's traumatic. Uh, it's not. They're difficult. They're stressful. Life is filled with stresses. But when we are at the point of thinking that... Um, we can't make it anymore. Many times we can, and that's why I want people to turn to lessons of not only from the Bible, but many people in the world, myself included, have gone through some pretty difficult times, but it's how we recover from that that we need to understand. Um, in some ways, our society has gotten softer. Uh, we get more upset about little things, and we need to understand that we can make it through this, that there's one who suffered uh, for us all to help deliver us from these things. And we don't have to be trying to do this on our own. Okay. Um, I, I don't even know how to ask this next question. I'm probably going to get in trouble for doing it. <laughs> so bear with me here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, um, 
I'm wondering, have we put too much into mental health, the definition of mental health? Have we, have we broadened that to even take in a bad day? Yes. Yeah, we have. Um, we, we've somehow gone away from the idea that, that life sometimes is tough. It just is going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jesus promised all his apostles, hey, guys, it ain't going to be easy from this point on. And that's really a lesson for all of us. We want to protect our children from things. Not a good idea. Uh, we want to give kids things that we never had. What we really ought to be paying attention to is teach children the lessons we wish we had. And some of those lessons are that we're not going to get everything we want, that life is not going to be fair, that there's going to be difficult times, but we can emerge from them. Uh, the issue of COVID, for example, was one that for many, many uh, months, uh, people struggled. We were isolated. We weren't socializing. We weren't going to work. That was a really a very, very difficult time. Um, is it compared to the Depression the United States faced in the 1930s? Not even close, I think, in some sense, when you had millions of people searching for work and the struggles there. Was it the same as World War II? No. But it still was difficult. And from that, by, by referring to it as a mental illness in many cases— there are certainly mental illnesses, clinical mental illnesses, but in other cases, we have to look upon mental health is something that is important. It's our self-esteem, it's our confidence, our, it's ability to approach the world, but understanding that life is going to have difficulties, and we can't just write it all off as, well, I've got a mental health problem, and you're the cause of this, and I need to take some uh, marijuana or some other drugs to snap me out of it or run off to this vice or that vice. Uh, there's a lot we can do for ourselves, and I want people to see that great strength that they have have, that we don't have to define everything as a mental illness. Some things genuinely are. There's no question about that. We can be overwhelmed by depression and anxiety, but there's a lot we can do by redefining things as, I'm going to make it through this. Um, okay, so have we become weaker through all of this? And, and let, me, let me kind of qualify that question by asking this. Um, I'm wondering, as, as, as adults, do we see the responsibility to get strong so we can help others to get strong? Mm. A beautiful question. You always have great questions. <laughs> we, so what happens is many people have checked out. In other words, they said, you know, I can't watch the news anymore. It's too difficult. It's, 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 uh, I can't watch politics anymore. It's, it's too difficult. Um, and so many adults, instead of being the mentors and teach other people you can handle this, many have pulled away because it can be stressful. What that has also meant is that youth are being educated in schools uh, to be more concerned about relationships than history. They get a distorted version of history. They don't understand how difficult it was to form this country and other countries. They don't understand uh, many aspects. I mean, I was talking with one father who uh, he was asked, uh, he was helping his daughter do a school essay on five big leaders in history. And they named Jesus, they named Paul, they named... um, um, Winston Churchill, uh, named Abraham Lincoln, but also named Adolf Hitler. Well, the teacher was very upset about this, and the father was called into school, and he said, I didn't say he was a good leader, but he was a leader. And he, was, he led people to do horrific things. And the teacher's response is, we're not teaching our children about that because we don't want to upset them. And the father said, you're not teaching them about the Holocaust and the cause of World War II? These were sixth and seventh graders. And he says, no, we're not going to teach that. We don't want to get them upset. Well, that's a problem. Now, certainly you don't want to go over this with first graders and very young children. But as kids enter the adolescent years, they need to understand that there was difficult times in our history and history Mm -hmm. of the world. 
and, and we need to overcome that. The role of adults is to be mentors and teachers on that. And too many adults have pulled back because we recognize it's tough. Uh, I've read on many occasions, and I'm just going to summarize it, that uh, pre-COVID, the number one emotion in America was loneliness. Post-COVID, it's fear. And now it's being, um, it's, it's being, uh, I guess, extended into all areas of life. We got wars, rumors of wars. We got earthquakes. We got, you know, we got all this stuff going on that's very biblical. And I don't mean to minimize that at all. But it's produced another level of fear, of anxiety. And I'm just wondering, can people really handle this? And can people of faith handle this? Two great questions. We can and we have to. Uh, I've got a sign in my kitchen that says, you never know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. And people of faith have particular advantage. There's lots of research that shows when it comes to post-traumatic stress disorder and reactions to stress. Those who are religious, now I don't mean just spiritual and believing that something's out there. And I don't mean just spiritual in the sense of I believe in God. I mean religious. People really practice their faith. They go to church. They read. They do those things. Uh, those people, we have a much stronger ability to deal with stresses and problems in the world. You brought up the point about loneliness, and we know that loneliness, for example, the alienation, the isolation people feel. Actually, uh, studies have shown that loneliness has as much of a deleterious effect on health as smoking, mm. or smoking cigarettes, smoking wow. a pack a day. Wow. Because of what it does, the stress, the inflammation in the system, we know inflammation causes a lot of difficulties with even brain function and depression and anxiety. Uh, isolation is a terrible uh, experience to have when we want to be social. Again, people go to church, don't have that same aspect. But the fear aspect is something that is actually actively being promoted. You can't turn on the news without someone trying to provoke you with fear. I mean, fear leads to, it's a clickbait for people to watch more of the news, for people to seek more information out. Uh, and it's one of those big motivators that's out there. Plus, the world, as you pointed out right now, it is very difficult. Uh, there's a massive war in Israel. There's demonstrators across the country who are attacking Jews. We're saying gas them, kill them, uh, uh, college professors uh, promoting violence. We have university presidents who either are silent or wimpy in their response. When, when people are facing difficult times, they want to see strong leaders to say, we're not putting up with this. We will not tolerate these attacks on anyone. But we don't see that. And that weakness promotes more fear among people and will exacerbate the kind of concerns we have. And sometimes people say, well, if the government's not going to protect me, I'm going to have to take some steps to protect myself. People's moods are less tolerant, uh, more attacking. Uh, and with all of those things, I believe, are times when we have to step up as believers and as Christians to do more. One other quick question if I take a break, and you mentioned it briefly. I'm really worried about the culture creating a new level of isolationism. Um, people are just hunkering down and doing nothing. It's like they're pulling the covers over their head and say, have a nice day, but I'm not going to participate. <laughs> How dangerous is this? It's very dangerous. Think of Elijah in the cave. You know, he's being chased out uh, and uh, he hides in the cave. And, uh, and I love when the Lord comes and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? You can't stay here. And he says, I can't deal with this, all these problems. Everyone's abandoned me. They want to kill me. And he runs out, gets back in the cave again. And it, that really is where we are at, in a similar way. Uh, and, and think of um, 
was it who was it standing outside? Who was sitting under the worm tree outside? Oh, uh, not Zacchaeus. Um, uh, they, but I, that's okay. my Bible trivia. My Bible trivia's got to go. But <laughs> just kill me now. But so many times that happened biblically. Just get rid of, take me. I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, yeah. saying too, all those doubts. We cannot do that. There's also a movement also where people are looking for strength. I mean, look at the kind of workshops that are out there where right. people are signing for boot camps and strengths. People want to have a sense of hope. It is up to those who have hope, which is just that unknown over the horizon, but we know it's there. That's what hope is. We know it's there. We have to speak up more and teach more and be examples that we can't just pull the covers over our head. It yeah. takes, takes some work. And let us not forget the Lord really did care. He sent him, a, he sent him breakfast. He used a bird to deliver it, but he sent him breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let me take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, Dr. Tim uh, Murphy's back with us and uh, check out his book. This is just a a must book in your library called The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's Daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. back and uh, so honored to have with us uh, Dr. Tim uh, Murphy. He's a licensed uh, psychologist specializing in resilience and recovery from psychological trauma. Also served in Congress for uh, looks like 16 years, Uh, but he wrote a book and I have to tell you, I just really think you need this book in your library, especially you pastors. It's called The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD. This is a great resource. Dr. Murphy, through the break, I was trying to think, all right, how do I ask this question? Okay. Um, Violence in the world today is just at a whole new level. And in the PTSD cycle, you, you have these things called anger, depression, and I guess you could sprinkle mental health in there. Maybe it's all synonymous. I don't know. But what is the contributing factor to such violence today? Do you have any idea? Yeah, we have um, we've become an increasingly more violent, tolerant society. Um, I find it interesting that sometimes the very people in Hollywood that are out there saying we shouldn't have guns are the stars in incredibly violent movies and television shows. Uh, each time in order to get people to watch. I understand the purpose of a movie is not to teach us a lesson to entertain. It's to get us to go to the movies and watch TV, and then they get advertisers. It's a business. And you can't stay on a low level like maybe violence was when cowboys were shooting and they just kind of grabbed their arm, but you never saw blood. Uh, now it has to be much more violent to get people to pay attention, plus a wide range of video games. The impact of all those is it lowers people's tolerance, lowers people's awareness of, of uh, violence. And so they are more prone to look upon violence as an action. Number two, not being taught peaceful ways of solving issues. Uh, even among leaders in our nation, when you hear uh, leaders um, throwing insulting terms back and forth, mm. uh, and that's what gets the media uh, soundbite. 
Uh, you never see news about, well, this person, that person. We're able to come to a friendly agreement and the problem is solved. That's not going to be details at 11. So that's part. Another part, I really do believe that the loss of faith in our country, the declining uh, belief in God or, or, or engagement in religion has had a big impact because mm-hmm. people don't see an accountability anymore. Mm-hmm. Anger can be as much of a vice as uh, as gambling, as drugs, as alcohol. People turn towards it thinking, I can release my problems by being angry and by being aggressive towards one another. Uh, another factor of that, too, is really having police being told to stand down. Don't get involved. If people are shooting each other or gangs are fighting each other, stand away. I, I live in Pittsburgh, a beautiful city, but like so many other American cities, uh, you see people now that needles on the street, openly doing drugs, openly involved in acts of prostitution. Uh, and I saw a policeman standing in the corner. He was directing traffic. And I said, you going to do anything? And he said, we're supposed to just leave it alone. Uh, so all these things are happening of a decay on these principles. Uh, and, and it goes back to that point, too, but some people say, well, you religious people, you're all hypocrites. You know, your churches are filled with hypocrites. And you probably heard that line. Right. They say your ch- churches are filled with hypocrites. No, they're not. We always have room for a lot more. Um, and that's what it is. We struggle. We fight. We continue on with them. Oh. Did we lose them? Okay, a little bit of a Skype problem. Uh, Hopefully we can get it back here. Let me just say to our viewers while we're getting that fixed, uh, his book is called The Christ Cure. Um, It really is an amazing resource. Uh, It's called uh, The Christ Cure. It deals with the 10 biblical ways to heal from trauma, tragedy, and PTSD. If you're in any form of counseling, whether you're a pastor, a, a lay person, you're dealing with people, you're trying to help people, this will get you a great tool, so check it out. All right, we got you back. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened. Can I mention something? You were talking about the book. that I, I wrote it as I, I call it a, a handbook for the broken and those who love them. Oh, God. So even if a person is not personally experiencing trauma, we all know someone who all has. Right. And it's written in a way filled with biblical stories and other things to help people understand. Uh, I also wrote it for clergy who don't understand how to do counseling. Right. 40% of people will turn towards clergy for help, but only about 10 or 15% of clergy say they know what to do because they don't get training in counseling. Right. And the third part is for counselors. Uh, many times psychologists and others are, uh, quite frankly, uh, not believers, don't understand how to help people with faith issues. This is a guide for them, too. Um. With, with, with the unsettledness of our culture, uh, you've got violence, you've got wars, uh, you've got depression, you've got anxiety. Do you think that there's possibly the makings of a revival to do good? <laughs> mm. I think so. People want hope. They want faith. Uh, they, the, what I talk about in my book in the stages of resilience before the battle, resistance in the battle, recovery after the battle, but it's renewal afterwards. What Paul talked about in Romans 12, too, to be transformed by renewing of the mind. When you start to talk to people about that and the elements of that, which is faith in God, which is trust that God will be there for us, uh, it's accepting God's grace, it's being on a mission. People, I think, want a revival. Um, I noticed with this terrible, terrible tragedy that just occurred in Maine, with that uh, seriously mentally ill mm-hmm. man attacking other people. Um, it was a time for prayer. Had there been a place to call people together and say, let's you know, make sure you pray, there was probably a lot of people on their knees uh, uh, 
uh, praying at that time. That's what helps communities come together after that. Uh, right now, we don't have leaders who are calling for that, so it really needs to be other people. It needs to be the fathers and mothers in the home. It needs to be pastors in the in the churches, wherever they are. We do need that revival to come back to it. It absolutely, I think, is essential, and people desperately want to feel a sense of hope and healing. All the years you served in Congress, uh, do you think we will possibly see the return of civility to public service? Well, I think what happened in Congress with finally going through um, and, and finding a, a speaker that they could all agree on, that some of the criteria, when I've talked to some of my colleagues there, they were looking for someone who wasn't bombastic and who was not going to run to the cameras and have sound bites all the time. Uh, there was a feeding frenzy of the media trying to find people who could make attacking statements. Mm -hmm. So that's part. The other part is Congress reflects the country. And when people run for offices, send me in there and I'm going to attack and I'm going to fight and I'm going to throw elbows and I'm going to scream and yell. Well, if that's the kind of person you get elected, that's how they're going to behave. It's a pretty good sign that the best predictor of future behavior is the past. Or some say if someone says they're going to do something, believe them. Um, so it's up to people to elect uh, folks who can come up with some uh, civil discussions. There is a lot of that that does take place. There's a lot of wonderful people there who never make the news because they're hardworking, they're smart, uh, they want to make things happen. But a few people, the way the House is made up, a few people can throw it off. Right now, there's only a few vote majority of Republicans, so they can completely, a couple of them can completely throw the system off and call for a new speaker. When the Democrats have a majority of a few people, the same thing can happen there. But um, I, I believe that the people need to speak up and say, we want civility, we want problems worked out. You don't have to compromise incredibly important principles of our country, but you can come up with a consensus to move forward in a better way for the country. I wonder if we people of faith, strong in our faith, understand that this is an amazing moment to reach people, because people are asking for what is truth and who can I trust? Mm. I, I wonder if we see the opportunity here or are we just succumbing to the pressure of the moment? I hope so. You know, when earlier you, you mentioned about how some just want to hide in their homes and pull the covers over their face, um, that may be an easy out, but that's not what we're called to do. Um, and, and I go back to when Jesus told the apostles, hey, guys, let me tell you, life is going to be tough, but I'm sending you out on this mission and you're going to have to do it. You know what I found interesting? None of them said no. They said, OK, let's do it. Um, and, and that's what happens so often with people who are believers recognize that that's what we have to do. We're called to act. We need to act. Uh, so it is, I think, a responsibility um, of Christians to um, to speak up. To, um, uh, to speak out, to have guidance. You know, one of the things I look upon here is we have Thanksgiving coming up here in a, couple, in a few weeks. And when I hear people say, oh, it's terrible, Congress, they can't get along, they fight, they yell and scream. And I say, well, let me ask you this. When you get the family together around the Thanksgiving table, do you recognize there are certain subjects you don't bring up with certain people? Yeah. And they say, oh, yeah. I says, well, if you can't handle it in your family, how do you expect Congress to handle it? Yeah. Um, start working there first. Get rid of the plank in your eye before you worry about the splinter in someone else's eye. Well, I've always said on Somebody the air. Said that. Yeah, I've always said on the air numerous times, if your ministry doesn't work at home, don't export it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, doctor, thank you. Uh, your, your book is a great resource. And let me say to our viewers and listeners again, check it out. It's called The Christ Cure. There's a picture of the cover of the book on the screen. Uh, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, 
tragedy and uh, PTSD. And as you said, it's a counseling aid for pastors and who else? And, and for counselors who need to learn more about faith. And as I said, it's those for the people who, uh, the, the handbook for the broken and those who love them. I should also mention, I have a website, drtimmurphy.com, drtimmurphy.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and, there you go. And uh, and so there I also have, it's a way you can order the book, but it's also I have podcasts. And it's a mixture of faith and psychology and issues of trauma and issues okay. people have dealt with. So I ask people to go there too, sign up for my podcast and listen to them. All right, drtimmurphy.com. There it is right here on my notes and I forgot it. I apologize. Okay. Thank you, friend. Good to see you. I look forward to many talks in the future. Always good to see you. God bless you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.